The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. And you are very welcome to the show. Great to have your company and great to be able to welcome a man who is making his long-awaited debut on the show, the now retired jockey and terrific character, Maddie Bachelor. Welcome to the final furlong. Hello, Emmett. How are you? Yeah, finally retired. Finally waved the white flag. <laughs> Normally, when a jockey retires, they'll they'll go out, they'll make a big thing about it, or it'll just be like a Ruby Walsh situation where you'll just wave to the crowd on Kemboy as you pass the line in a Grade One win. Um, did you think about making a big thing of it, or after you had the winner and you had a bit of time, did you just decide, no, that's it, I'm gone? No, I, I was sort of determined to ride. I was lucky enough that the last race to Jersey won, Neil Mulholland gave me a steering job. That was fine, brilliant. And I really had it in my head that I wanted to finish at Plumpton because Plumpton's been good to me over the years and... My mum loved it there, and many years ago, they let me put some of her ashes on the winning line. So, being an old sentimental person that I am, I'd I'd like to have finished there, but with circumstances and sort of the hips giving me a bit of sort of stick now, so it was it was time to. I couldn't. I've had I had an opportunity to ride a juvenile for Miller Poulton, and that ran all right at Frontwell, then one at Sandown, but I didn't want to go out there and and be what people thought of me for years, a bit of a fraud, Emmett. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not having that. <laughs> not, not having that. Um, yeah. Luke Harvey called. <laughs> he said, you're the better jockey. Like, don't, be, don't be falling into that kind of a trap at all. You had a terrific career <laughs> and an incredibly, uh, incredibly successful but long career as well, like the longevity and the, the injuries that you managed to battle back from. Uh, and listen, we get to benefit from your insight. We're, we're working with you on TalkSport. You're going to be on Race Day TV at the weekend as well. So welcome to the world of racing media. Thank you. Yeah, long long may it continue and hopefully a lot more down the line. I, I did a Goodwood preview with Maddie in 2019, 2018 and 2019. And I was fully expecting that it was going to be like a, quite a stuffy, posh event because it's Goodwood. Not a bit of it. It was mad crack, and Maddie had the crowd <laughs> eating out of the palm of his hand. It was absolutely brilliant. So delighted to have you on, Maddie. Uh, really enjoy working Pleasure. with you on TalkSport, and um, you're, you're a great person to be around. Uh, also a man who is a great person to be around and uh, incredibly popular on the show as well, but you'll notice he, he's been absent for the last couple of weeks, is Time Forms Mark Milligan. And the reason that you have been absent is because you, you suffered a, an awful tragedy, Mark. You've spoken about this openly online. Um, your father, who loved racing, uh, and obviously you were very close with him, passed away. I speak for everybody who listens to the show when I say uh, we all care about you, we all like you, and sympathies to you. That that was pretty brutal. But he put in one hell of a fight. Oh, he, he did. It, it was it was incredible. Without wishing to bore everyone too much, a week ago last Monday, so just looking at the dates, that would have been... Well, the 30th of January, we're now on the 9th of February when we recorded this. Um, That Monday morning, the 30th of January, we were phoned by the hospital to say we had to go there quickly because my dad only had a few hours left. So we all rushed up to the hospital. 
got there, and the old bugger kept us waiting for <laughs> eight days after that. <laughs> he put he put in a proper shift for eight days and nights. My mum and my sister barely left his side, and he just refused to give in. It was it was absolutely incredible, um, and you know he was. He was 80, he was getting on for 89, he, he'd lived a hell of a life. He's the main reason that I got into horse racing, because he just loved his horse racing um, and his absolute love for it was just infectious. And I think I can honestly say today, if it wasn't for, for my dad, there's no way I would be working in racing, because I simply wouldn't have had that interest and yeah, it's been it's been a, a tough, tough week, but we're, we're focusing on the good times. Um, and I would just like to have thanked everyone on Twitter for all their messages that they've sent. But I'd like to, to thank everyone here as well, because the, the amount of love and concern that everyone has shown over the past few days has just been incredible. I'm not ashamed to say I broke down and had a little weep the other day when I was reading through all the messages that everyone had sent everyone's been very very kind and it is much appreciated it is amazing how kind words from people you've never met um and might never meet but that you talk to online and who listen to the show it's amazing what those words can mean it's amazing the power of them and even whether you believe in it or not that sending good vibes into the air like that can have a, a massive help too and you talked about how he was on his deathbed, and, and maybe that contributed. People saying those those incredible nice things and praying for him, and um, asking for him to, if a miracle could happen, or or at least that he would pass away peacefully. It's it, it is incredible what kindness there can be. Twitter can be a pretty sour place at times, but the vast majority of it is great, and the vast majority of people there are amazing, and and that kindness is incredible. Um, I've benefited from that. Um, and, and it was good to see you getting to benefit from it as well. And I don't know how you have the strength to do this, mate. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Well, different different situation for me with my father. Uh, but if it was, you know, if it was an uncle of, of mine, uh, God forbid, I, I, I would be in bits. Uh, but I really admire it. And I really admire the fact that because of his love of horse racing and his enthusiasm, that you're your love and your passion for the game was born and that you now work in the media and work in the racing industry as well. And we're very lucky to have you and we're delighted to have you on the show today as well. But God rest him and we're thinking of you. And um, I, I know that hopefully things will get better for you, but it, it might creep back up on you. It's not like in Ireland where a funeral takes place within three days and it's all very quick. In, in the UK, you've got to wait 10 days, two weeks, it's, it's, it's tough. So mind yourself, mind your mind. And, um, and we're thinking of you. We're thinking of you. We're delighted to have yeah. you on the show as well. Um, yeah, right. no, that's all very kind. Thank you. No, and uh, you're, you're a tough man, but, uh, but a class man and a class act. Uh, right. Newbury is going to be the, the main state of play. Interesting development there. Nick Luck was talking to the clerk of the course during the week. They can't water. Uh, they're not allowed to, to go and use the reservoir, go and use the water reserves they have. They've basically tapped out. Um, it's against the law for them to go back in and water the track some more. So it's good ground, and unless the heavens open, that's what it's going to be, and they can't do a whole lot about it. That's resulted in in 45 horses being entered in the five-day declarations. It's down to 18 today. Lorna Fowler took out Colonel Mustard, who would need soft ground, and he was never going to get that. 
so we'll start with the feature race, the bet for a hurdle, 3.35. The betting with BetDAC is headed by Filey Bay, first runner in the race for Grand National winning trainer Emmett Mullins. Owner J.P. McManus last won this race 10 years ago with my tenter yours, but it's 18 years since an Irish trained horse won the race. He's the 7-2 to two favorite with BetDAC. Paul Nichols saddles two in his quest for a third bet for a hurdle. Roband, I'm sure I've butchered that pronunciation. He's won twice in three starts this season. Good ground will suit him, 8-1. to one. And Hacker Duplass, who's got a £5 penalty for his win in a handicap on Trials Day at Cheltenham. Angus Childers' claim will take care of that. He's been trained for the race, and 7-1 to one seems fair. Uh, Monvial bids to give Philip Hobbs a first win in the race. He's run 28 horses in this to date. But Rooster Booster is the only one to go close from 2003 and 2004 when he was agonizingly close. Uh, his horse, Monvial, is a 12 to 1 shot with BetDAC. Nicky Henderson has won this three times, but it's 10 years since his most recent winner with My Tenter Yours uh, for JP, as we mentioned earlier. The duo team up with Kempton Handicap winner No Ordinary Joe, who you can get at 11s. Trainer Chris Gordon's got a great record in this. He saddled the fourth place finisher. In the prestigious handicap for the last two years, Lord Badley at 66 to 1, an annual Invictus in 2021. Romelak was third for him at 66s in 2020 and fifth in 2019. He's got Akin Risk, who switches from fences uh, after finishing second in the Wayward Lad last time out. 16 to 1 with Betdak. Highway 1 or 2 with the red hot Gavin Sheehan on board. Sixth in the Jockeys' Championship and an excellent 21% strike rate this season. You can get 20s with BetDAC about highway one or two. Willie Mullins is dominating racing. Winners left, right, and center, but he has yet to win the Betfair hurdle from 17 runners. He's got Icar Allen to try to right that wrong at the weekend. John Joe O'Neill Jr. on board, but only three Irish-trained horses have won this, the last being Essex in 2005. Gary Moore and Nigel Tristan Davis, like Nicky Henderson, are going for their fourth win in the race. Moore's got two hopes with the 14 to 1 chance Teddy Blue and 28 to 1 shot York Sea, while Tristan Davis has got Master Chewy, still a maiden, but some useful form and runs in the colours of last season's runner up, I Like to Move It. He's been backed as well, 22s into 16s. And speaking of I Like to Move It, last year's winner, Glory and Fortune, will have to carry 12 stone for Tom Lacey. He is 16 to 1 for back to back renewals. No pressure, Maddie Bachelor. We're going to throw you into the deep end. <laughs> Who wins the Betfair hurdle? Well, I honestly think that Willie Mullins is going to be his first winner of the big race. I just like Akira Alain. It was fourth in the Triumph Hurdle last year to Vuban, third in a grade two at Fairy House, and it was third in a handicap back at Fairy House last run, and it was ridden out the back, crept into the race, and a uh, to me, it's it's an interesting runner, and JP's like he's firing a lot of darts at this. He's got Filey Bay that he purchased after two wins at Donny and Wincanton, so he's he's bought that. Rue Band, if you look at his, he was second to Rare Edition, who's who was quietly fancied for the Supremes of the English horses, but he got beat today earlier at three o'clock at Huntington, so That's right. that form hasn't been franked, has been franked, so. Hacker de places is again Angus. He's getting the five pound off, so the X five pound extra shouldn't really count. He just looks like a solid handicapper, and he, he's won at Cheltenham. But for me, I, I really think I really think Willie Mullins is going to do it. It's significant that he brings him over. Um, uh, yes. I like I like the way you talked about the ride the last day or the run the last day. Frankie Tightlips will probably be coming for a word with you, which is if you don't know, that's Frank Berry. <coughs> But his profile is is really interesting. Like it's a left-handed track. He's run three times left-handed, one twice, and placed uh, as well. He goes well in field sizes of eighteen or more. He's placed 
um, in, in a big field size. Uh, and his record on flat tracks, I think, is is the key here. Four runs, four wins. So there's there's an awful lot to like about him, including, obviously, his form, which is, is coming along nicely. And John John Neal Jr., uh, fascinating booking uh, for the ride as well. Uh, I would be with you. I mean, if you look at that triumph form, Emmett, sorry, if you look at that triumph form, you've got Vuban, Phil Dore, and Pied Piper behind in front of him. That's that's solid form. Yeah. And then go and finish third in a handicap. I mean, he, he looks better than a handicapper. He's much, far much better than a handicapper. Big time. And even the run at the Dublin Racing Festival when he was behind Vaughan was good, but he he stepped yes. forward again after he took in Fairy House, won there, and then ran that, that massive race in the Triumph Hurdle. And look at what Ilete Tomp did at the weekend. Exactly, yeah. Uh, who was yeah. fifth that day. So I suspect he is an awful lot better than we saw at Fairy House the last day uh, and a very, very interesting runner. He's been supported to 14s into 9-1 to one with Betdak. Um, so it's Icar for both Maddie and me. What about you, Mark Milligan? Now, this is interesting, isn't it? Because I have looked at this race through essentially two lenses. The lens of time form and from an analytical perspective and also from an emotional perspective as well. And do you believe in coincidences, Emmett? I do. Because, because if you do... I've got the ultimate coincidence bet for you oh. in this race. Oh. My dad, my dear old dad, who we just talked about, lived the last 40 years of his life in Filey Bay. <laughs> Which is where I still live today. It's where my mum lives. It's where the house is. He was a pub landlord in the, the town of Filey before he retired, and he retired, he bought a house here and lived here. He was a York lad originally, but he's lived in Filey, Filey Bay for the last 40 years of his life. And for me, as much as I'd love to approach this race from an analytical perspective, I simply can't look any further, can I? No way, Mark. That is the that is the way to look at that. It's I had a similar, very similar, when King Harold won the, at the festival for me, we lost my mum in the November and we was going to run in the RSA because we didn't think we'd get in the novice handicap and we we got into the novice handicap right down to the bottom and my mum's birthday was on the 19th of March and my number cloth was number 19. No way. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so I would, oh, that is, yeah, that is right up my street, that mark. The stars are aligning. And and to be fair, it's not just, I mean, this is not like you're going, oh, I like that color. Let's go with that. Let's throw out years of time form research, years of racing knowledge. Let's abandon all that. The name matches. But the form is there. Like, he was really good in, yeah. in Doncaster, uh, really good at, at Wincanton. Um, the fact he, that, the yeah, fact he that he just... was, one of, the, one of the key things to all this is, Paul Byrne is, is incredibly shrewd. And he's the man who bought this horse initially. Suddenly, J.P. McManus is on the scene. He wants him. And Emmett Mullins is pretty much, he's got the Midas touch. Everything he's, he's touching turns to gold. And this is the target. And you can see the bookmakers, are they're on Baywatch. They're just running for cover. Yeah, and I think he's, he won that last race off a mark of 124. But he won that really snugly, didn't he? He's been put up to 133, which for me, in this particular race, is the absolute sweet spot from a, a ratings perspective. 
if it's still been in the mid 120s i'd have been a little bit wary because you've got to go back a long way i think about 15 years since a horse won this from a mark in the mid 120s so it tends to be the classier individuals with that little bit more weight that shine through and although he's seven he's still low mileage isn't he? he's very low mileage for a seven-year-old and the prospect of him having more to come is very very real i think there's a couple of things about his profile that suit too his his record of running after a break of 60 days or more he's had three runs one win uh he's run twice going left-handed he's won and been placed and on flat tracks he's raced three times and won twice so there's a fair bit there in terms of his profile that that's going to suit donna takes the ride um mark one three three. Uh, he'll need a bit of help, but he's getting the handicap uh, allowances. I, there's a lot to like about him. The, the thing that kind of concerned me about him is, aside from glory and fortune last year, and this might sound odd, uh, seven year olds don't have a good record in this. Don't know why. Did you buy into that kind of stuff, Maddie? No, not really. I mean, glory and fortune. Was a seven-year-old when he won it last year, wasn't he? He's, yeah. Was he, uh, yeah, he's eight now. Yeah. Actually, I, when, no, I don't. When when a, a statistic says uh, horses who were beaten last time out have no chance of winning the Supreme Novices Hurdle, well, does the horse wake up that morning and go, "Yeah, I really fancy my chances in the Supreme"? Oh, wait, that statistic is there. Oh no, I just uh, won't even bother then. Like stats are there to be broken, but you can learn a lot from trends and you can mold a race uh, to a certain way. I don't like to frame all of my bets around them. Um, but his his it, the the fact that he comes from the Paul Byrne school, that JP has picked him up, that he's Emmett Mullins trained, who's in tremendous form, that they're sending him over here, and the way to cash coming in for him too, you can't ignore that stuff. I, I'm with you, Maddie, on Ekaralen uh, for more of a price thing. Um, yeah, I, I was interested in the nickel sources. I think the for all that Angus is going to take five pounds off, I think the weight's going to anchor Hacker de Plas, um, and I would favour Harry Cobden's Mount Ruband. Instead, uh, he ran well against the Supreme Novice Hurdle Hope Rare Edition last time out, but uh, the stars are aligning for Filey Bay, uh, for Emmett Mullins. And with the way the Irish horses are going, who knows, maybe this will be uh, the year where Ireland wins. So Emmett Mullins, Filey Bay for Mark Milligan. Uh, Mark, who would be the big danger in your mind? Um, I think even though I, I mentioned that stat about horses with marks in the 120s, not having a great record, certainly in recent years. Master Chewy is interesting, isn't he, down the mm. bottom? Because Nigel Twiston-Davis knows what it takes to win this race. Um, he is a maiden, but if he hadn't fallen at Ascot, uh, he would have won there. He's unexposed. He's only had six runs under rules. So I think he's interesting lurking towards the bottom of the handicap. Yeah, he's definitely better than that mark of 124 for sure. He actually dropped two pounds for his run the other day uh, when he was beaten at, at odds on. So that's a bit of a help to him. And he might be one for the forecast and tricast. Iker Allen for Maddie and I, uh, with a notable word for, for Master Chewy. I think he can definitely run a big race. And Philippe A for Mark Milligan as the stars align. We'll go back to the start of the race meeting. The 150 is a handicap hurdle. Barbados Bucks heads the betting. For the Paul Nichols team, a 7-2 to two shot from Glimpse of Gala. Charlie Lungsden uh, is fours, and Ben Pauling will be uh, teaming. I, I do apologise. 
I do apologise. That horse has been taken out and my computer was acting slow. Annual Victus for Chris <laughs> Gordon is a seven to one shot uh, with Freddie Gordon claiming claiming seven pounds. Maddie, who do you like in the opener? Joe, I do like the Chris Gordon horse, Annual Victus. Since they've gone back to hurdling, he's he's consistent. I'd, I'd forgive the run at Wing Canton. I just think he likes to lead. I saw him win at Cheltenham where he made all the running and, and stayed on up the hill. I just don't think Wing Canton probably would have suited him. It's a sharper track. He was sort of taken on for the lead, which he, he didn't really enjoy. I mean, I know he's got 12 stone, but Freddie Gordon, who claims seven, I've been watching him lately. He rode a few winners around Fontwell. He's a really good up-and-coming rider. I do like him a lot. And you say Barbados Bucks... There's solid form there. It's, but yeah, I, I do, I do really like this horse, Annual Invictus, and Chris Gordon horses. They're running well. I mean, it's, Barbados Bucks was last time it ran was third at Wing Canton behind Steel of March. But uh, yeah, I just like an, an Annual Invictus as a, a good solid can, good solid handicapper. It's interesting. I think Tom O'Brien's took the horse on the Philip Hobbs horse. Obviously, the the owner normally rides it, so. But Tom O'Brien, that's an interesting jockey booking for Philip Hobbs. Yeah, that's a good show. Uh, very good show as well. And, and interesting to bring that one up. Um, Mark, what about you? I mean, I love I love Maxwell and I think he's brilliant. Do you know what he does? He he's he goes out there, he buys his horses and he's given some horses. He, listen, he's people may think he, he's very agricultural, but listen, he, he gets the job done and why not? He pays his money. Why not should he ride them? You know, and he, he can, if they're good enough, he'll win on them. Yeah, he pumps a, an enormous amount of money into the game, and at the end of the day, there was um, was it simply the bets he was on board, or, or simply the bets? Yeah, it was a disaster in a two-runner race. But the the reality is, he's paying one hundred and fifty grand, three hundred grand for racehorses. He's going out there and putting himself at risk riding them. It's what he wants to do. It's what he loves, and. In this occasion, on this occasion, it is very interesting that Tom O'Brien's going to be on board and he's not, and that's an advantage. You don't have to back him, and more often than no, not, exactly. when he is on board a horse, you're getting compensated in the market. And sometimes them two, them two horse runner races, it, it comes down to, it comes down to tactics at the end of the day. And sometimes if you're on someone who's riding against, who's riding every day, sometimes that can just, they just get a little advantage, and you can just. They, they come down to be very tactical. So, listen, he, he can get the... I mean, I saw him ride a horse at Doncaster, and I can't think it was, and he was getting absolutely crucified. And he and he gave the horse a good ride. He, he said, oh, he's gone in front too soon. But you know what? All the way up the straight, there was no horse going better than him. And and the horses took him to the front. Sometimes that happens. It happens to the best of us. And, and he's just got caught. And then everyone going, oh, he shouldn't have rode that, shouldn't have rode that, and... No, I just just give him a break, you know. He's he, he's well capable of doing the job, and yeah, I mean he's not riding that also. I don't know there might be a reason for that, but listen, he can do the job, and and it's interesting it's going back to Barbados Bucks that he's he's had a wind up as well, and he's come back and he's sort of shown a bit of form again as well. So the wind ups certainly looks like he's done the job. Yeah, um, he's had the two runs since then, but yeah, this this ground will will help him. Good ground is what he would he would prefer. Uh, he was pulled out on, on soft ground at Lingfield back in November. So he's an interesting one as well. But listen, we we will take the piss out of David Maxwell when it suits us. But overall, I think the hatred of him and the stick that he gets online is way over the top. 
The good news is he's not I've on. I've never took the mickey out of him, I must be honest. Give it time. Give it. Welcome no, to the world of the final furlong. No, Maxwell. No, he's a fellow. He's a fellow jockey. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Oh, the jockeys' union <laughs> is in is in season the here. The jockeys' union is in. <laughs> Mark, the jockeys' union's in season. You better uh, hold your criticism of um, of any of the jockeys, or Maddie will be taking it to task. Just go go for it. Go to war, boys. Uh, Mark, who do you like? Yeah, well, I thought Barbados Books had probably the best form claims, but he's not being missed in the market, is he? His favourite. West to the Bridge interested me here, although he's into the veteran stage now. He really hit form about this time last year, didn't he? He racked up a four-timer, and the final win of that four-timer came off a mark of 136. He's now down to 132, so he's four pounds below that last winning mark. And interestingly, he's been dropped another pound since his last run, which I think was his best run of the season. He was second at Utoxeter. He made the run in there. Now, they'd been holding him up this season prior to that. They went back to making the running at Utoxeter last time, and that was how he won his four races last season. He won his four races from the front. So they, they've corrected the tactics now. They've gone back to the tactics that suit this horse best, Four pound below his last winning mark. I think he's hovering around the seven to one mark, something like that. There's plenty of value there about west of the bridge. Mark, do you think you'd want a little bit of dig in the ground though? That yeah, that was a little concern for me, Matty, yeah. when I had a look through all those four wins last season yeah, came soft, on, yeah. on easy ground, didn't they? And that yeah. would that would be my one concern, but at the same time seven to one so I'm thinking the price is kind of offsetting those concerns yeah, yeah. as you say and it's it's sort of the race has cut up a bit there's a few non-runners that there's a few early entries that I sort of looked at and fancied but now when you were Invictus I mean when I first looked at it Annual Invictus was like a eight nine to one shot now it's nine to two so it's definitely cut up so yeah you'd on on that basis alone you'd give him a chance yes a number of horses came out of this race um yeah Walking on air, horse we've talked about quite a few times. Apple Rock, they they came mm. out. Uh, so it's Glimpse of Gold, uh, yeah. Jerish, I think Gary Moore's. Yeah, there was a few that come out. Yeah, uh, that even caught me out. Me mentioning Glimpse of Gold and the bloody horse was gone from the race. Um, so it's it's. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks for hitting the old refresh button on the Safari app there. Oh dear. Uh, so Philip Hobbs, Tom O'Brien for Maddie, and um, it is uh, West to the Bridge. Uh, for Dan Skelton, uh, my hopes were were taken out of this race, so uh, I'll, I'll go with the two boys. Uh, the Bedford Denman Chase, Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden team up with Hitman, seven to four favorite with Betdak as we record. Eldorado Allen for Brendan Powell. I spoke to him today. Uh, you'll get to hear from Brendan Powell tomorrow. In fact, we're releasing a special edition of the Final Furlong tomorrow. You'll hear from Daryl Jacob, Brendan Powell, and Harry Cobden. Yes, finally, it's going to be released. It's an re- interview from two weeks ago, but there's a lot of gold inside there. I uh, spoke to Brendan Powell today, Daryl Jacob yesterday. It's about an hour long. There's some really, really interesting stuff there that's going to be available to you in the morning. Um, and he was quite bullish about Eldorado Allen. First time cheek pieces for him, an 11-4 to four shot. Fanny and Destravel for Venetia Williams. Her horses are still a little bit... Mm, kind of the fast show, a little bit way, a little bit whoa, a little bit... Uh, uh, fours, Charlie Deutsch on board. Uh, does he know... Goes well fresh, was really good at Cheltenham the last day. 7-1 to one could be big. David Bass for Kim Bailey uh, about him. Maddie, who are you going to side with in the Betfair Denman chase? Does Hitman get back on track here? 
Uh, not for me. I, I, I think El Dorado Allen's form. I think I think he, it's better. I mean, he, he's fourth from the King George, where Hitman pulled up. He was Brian Braidman's game. He was second to Protectorat. He was he was fourth at Cheltenham, and he was quite keen. And so, yeah, I just think everything's pointing to El, El Dorado Allen. Hitman for me is. Yes, he won at Adoc. He beat Manella Dream and Ernie River. And they won, and Manella came out on one last time, and Ernie River was second. So it's the form's there, but I, I just think Eldorado Allen. It, it looks it's good, solid form, and I think at the prices, I think it's a great price. Is Hitman just a bit soft? Because it seems as though when he goes into Grade One company, he cries enough, and it's too much for him. At, at this level, he's clearly able to do it and he's, he has got good form to his name that was a, a really nice performance at Haydock for all that he was odds on he ran well and he's come back at Aintree but is there just a bit of a hole in him well everything points everything points that he should the way he, he sort of he runs in them the, like the graduation chase and he and then he, he should sort of be able to step up but I mean Haydock's sharp enough left handed Kempton's right handed I mean that was that was so bad at Kempton. It just isn't. You, you're left scratching your head because you thought he could run an all right race, and and he didn't. Yeah, it, it's hard to get. He's hard to get right. Um, he's, yeah, he, he didn't jump well in the King George either. No, he he didn't. And okay, he's got eleven stone two, um, so he's getting weight from Eldorado Allen, but. Eldorado Allen is technically the better horse. He's rated one six two. Hitman's rated one sixty, yeah. and and. For all that Eldorado Allen was beaten 22 lengths, he still finished the race out in the King George, and he got yeah, close exactly, to Braveman's yeah. game at the start of the season, and that was a good run in, in the Betfair chase too. He's solid. Yeah. Yeah, he was good in this race as well last year. Having spoken to Brendan this morning, I'd be pretty bullish about Eldorado Allen. Uh, prior to that, I was I was quite keen to take a swing on Does He Know, and the price is fair. 7-1 to one with Betdak. Goes well fresh. I like that performance at Cheltenham. I could definitely see a case for him, but Mark, are you going to... Are you with Hitman, or are you going to side with Matty and I for, for one of the others? Yeah, no, I'm with Eldorado Allen as well. Let's go! I thought he... <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was the better. He, just digging into the BHA reports, I've, I've just been digging around for that King George, and Hitman was reported to have broken a blood vessel that day. Well, uh, that, that's, that's right, for me... Yeah, that's that's a big concern for me. If a horse does that once under yeah. pressure, for me, they'll do it again. And I, I would never, I could never in all conscience put up a horse that's bled knowing that that could happen again. I mean, Matty would know more about this than me, but if horses tend to do it, it tends not to be a one-off situation, does it? It, it, it can recur. Yeah, Maddie, I was talking oh, to definitely. A, I mean, and it, I was talking to a jockey sorry, about Fasal Vega at the weekend because it, literally just after the race had, had happened, uh, because he stopped like he'd hit a wall, and yeah. the most either physical injury or he'd bled was the theory that was going around. Um, as we were all trying to scramble and go, what the hell's just happened to one of the best novice hurdlers in the business? Uh, and then Willie Mullins comes out and says, yeah, he's ridden him like he's a machine, and he's not. He's a racehorse. That was insane from Paul Townend. Uh, so he hadn't bled, but the the jockey who I was talking to was saying, if he has, if it was a bleed, it'll be okay. You'll have him right for Cheltenham, but 
but it just it'll always be in the back of your mind with them and even mentally the horse might think about it as well it might remember that bad experience just how difficult is it to get a horse back from a bleed yeah i mean again it's how they deal with it in their own heads some horses will deal with it and not let it play on their mind and but a lot of hitman when he won at paydock he sort of he didn't really come under pressure did he 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 sort of he was on the bridle he was jumping around there and he sort of he won by 11 limps and so it, it all pretty easy for him just like a, a morning canter at home but king george day got put under pressure and as you say on sunday i mean facel vega i mean to be honest when i was watching it up in london and i thought high definition and 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 him they were going they were the split times they were going they were going some lick early doors Running like six front sprinters. Yeah, I thought there's no way they can keep this up. And it wasn't it it's easy to say, Oh well, well they've gone too quick and but when you're upsides horses like that and if they if they lock on and they start competing against each other, there's nothing even Paul was trying to sort of take back, but once they them two started racing, it's such a difficult situation because they've locked horns. I mean the best thing that <laughs> In Paul's, in Paul's eyes, the best thing happened that was JJ Slevin got unseated because he was able to sort of get him back. But I think at that stage he'd done far too much too too early. Yeah, there was a Willie was furious. I mean, absolutely furious, yeah. and he made that point. He said, for for those who didn't get to see Ortiz coverage, um, he he said to Brian Gleason that when they went down the back the first time at Leopardstown, he turned to David Casey and said these two horses are going to break each other's hearts. And yeah. when High Definition fell, uh, or when JJ unseated, he felt sorry for the horse, but he read, he was breathing a sigh of relief because you think, all right, well, now Paul can fill up the tank. Exactly, yeah. Get a breather into him. And, he's, and he didn't, and he, he looked at the camera and he, said, and he didn't do it. He didn't slow him down. He said, I don't know what he was doing. Uh, he, he bollocked him out of it. Uh, if, if that's what he's saying publicly, God knows what he said to him in private. Uh, I hope they weren't yeah. sharing a car together. But, <laughs> the the good news for Fasal Vega is that clearly can't have been his run and he didn't bleed. So physically he should be okay as long as the the experience of that doesn't leave a lasting effect on him uh, and the hard race. But in terms of, of Hitman, um, he has bled. So we're dealing with a horse who's seven to four here. He's classy, but he doesn't do it in grade one company. There is a bit of a chink in him. And now you've got this as well. So it's just another reason to want to take him on. Oh yeah, definitely, and I think El Dorado Allen. He, he just, he's, I just love him. He, he's, he's, he's going to put it. I mean, on all known form, Brendan's going to look at Hitman. He's going to know that he's bled, and he's not going to. He's going to take him on. He's going to put him under pressure, and 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 that's what, as a jockey, that's he to him. That's his only danger in the race. For well, maybe not. There's obviously, I say, does he know or having in Destreville? But I say. Venetians are just not sort of sparking at the minute. So Brendan will look at that and he, he's going to put a hitman under pressure. And that's and that's the right thing to do. But as I'll, I'll still say it, I, I think 11 to 4 is a massive price for Eldorado Allen. The three of us are on Eldorado Allen. Uh, and I'm going to play the forecast, Eldorado Allen and Does He Know as well, really going for the gravy. So hitman, don't come and do us, please. Don't, please. Thanks very much. <laughs> just, just, just. We're going to have some serious egg on our face that we're oh. going to have. 
God. Boiled, scrambled, and fried all over our free places tomorrow. Yeah, and, and peas and carrots all over my floor as well. My God. Uh, but <laughs> El Dorado Allen to get the job done for us. Uh, the three of us, very confident that he can get the job done in the, in the Denman chase, having won the race last year. Uh, the Betfair Exchange Game Spirit chase, the grade two, was kind of going to be a non-event, to be quite honest about it. Uh, Green team. I'm afraid the uh, the next few races we're going to talk about are kind of non-events. Uh, Green team is the 9-4 to four on favourite with Betdak for Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols. Uh, Venetia Williams and Charlie Deutsch teaming up with Fumble Savola. I don't know what to make of uh, Neil Phillips' horse this year. It just hasn't really been happening for him. He's 13-2. to two. Elixir de Nutz um, for Brendan Powell, who I was speaking to this morning, and you'll hear it from tomorrow thinks he can place, obviously doesn't think that he can beat Green Teen, but certainly the horse is back in form uh, and would be hopeful of him getting into the frame. Uh, and He's an eight to one shot. Uh, Maddie, we've been starting with you the whole way through. We'll keep with that form. Um, Harry Cobden is of the view that Green Teen actually wasn't at his best in the Tingle Creek and, and that he, he said he was just a little bit slow at some of the fences and that's not like him. Um, and, and that people are starting to forget about him for the champion chase. And in a year where We've got two very exciting horses at the top of the betting in Energamine and Edward Stone, and now the Joker in the pack uh, with um, Editor Dejit coming on the scene. But Blue Lords yeah. fluffed his lines. Nube Negris fluffed his lines. Is Green Team going to throw his hat into the champion chase mix here? Uh, I don't think... On all known form, I don't think he's sort of... He, I don't think he's good enough to show his hand at Cheltenham, to be honest. Listen, he was second to Edward Stone. He's won a Holden Gold Cup. He won a Celebration Chase. It, I just think on the, at Cheltenham, I just think the speed will possibly catch him out. I mean, listen, he should win this tomorrow. No disrespect to the bottom three, Melistic, Elixstenitz, and I think they're probably handicappers for me. And... The Venetia horses again. They say that they're not really firing, firing, but he's odds on for a reason. I, I, I think it's he's to lose. I honestly do, it. I agree with you. There is there's a slight concern in the back of my mind. We're talking about a one seventy horse here, going up against a one five five. And I know Venetia has had a few winners, but some of her horses are just running like yeah. I mean, this horse finished second in the he finished second to an Ergonine last year. So yeah. the form's there, but the form up to now has just been very unflattering. Yeah, he just hasn't fired this year uh, no. at all. And yeah, it's it's great for for Neil Phillips, the wine tipster, like to be to be involved in the horse and, and to to be a co owner in him. Um and wouldn't you love it? And and to be fair to him, he put up the forecast last year in Ergamine and him and I think that paid fifties. So if you're on board, happy days. But yeah. if he can come back to that, great. But he's He's just been battered this season, and some of Venetia's horses just aren't firing. The the concern I'd have, Mark, with Green Teen, for all that I really like this horse, and I was my jaw was on the floor on Talksport when he won the, the Halden Gold Cup. That was an extraordinary performance that day. But good ground, genuine good ground. Is that a concern for you with him? Um no, it's not for me, actually. Um, because even if he might be possibly at his best with a bit of dig in the ground. I think he can afford to be the best part of a stone below his best here and still get the job done. That's obviously that comes with the caveat that Funambul Savola could come back to his best, but he's been he's been a good ten or twelve pounds below what we know he's capable of, hasn't he, this yeah. season? Um now at time form, as you know, Emmett, we we make our own going assessments based on final times. 
Um, we don't publish official going. Um, and for that win in April at Sandown for, for Grenadine in the celebration chase, um, we had the ground officially good there for that win. So for me, the ground isn't a concern. We don't know how much it's going to dry up, do we? The last the last week or so in this country has been a very, very drying week. It's interesting. I I took um, took the dog for a walk up the fields near our house this morning. Having bear in mind, I've, the last week or so I've hardly been at home. So the first time in a week that I've taken the dog for a proper walk, and it amazed me how dry everything is in the fields around us. We're talking the start of February. You're normally hock deep in mud everywhere, aren't you? At yep. this time of year. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I, the fields behind us are definitely be calling it good ground and if Newbury has been drying the same way potentially we could be we could be talking very quick ground for the time of year and, and that would be ground that I think none of these are really proven on but I would like to think that, that Grinitine's class would get him home regardless of conditions Green teams raced nine times on officially good ground, winning four, placed twice. If we wanted to go extreme of good to firm, um, two runs a place. Uh, Elixir, then we, the nuts, whichever pronunciation you want to go for, I can never get it right with that horse. Um, he's back to form. He, when he was beaten by uh, excitations, that horse ended up winning the same day he won on, on his next start, and he goes very well on, on proper good ground. He's raced six times, won three times, place twice. He's nowhere near as good as Green Team, but if for some reason Nichols' horse doesn't fire on the ground, and if you wanted to take a, a, a flyer at something, there's worse 8-1 to one shots in the world uh, than him, but really Green Team should be winning this, and if he doesn't, there's going to be a few heads being scratched, I should imagine. Uh, we'll switch tracks and, and go to Warwick, where the ground is also good, but they can water. Uh, Stolen Silver is the 6-4 to favourite with Betdak for the Virgin Bet Warwick Castle handicap chase over 2 mile 4. Uh, Adam Wedge on board for Sam Thomas. Uh, Galad Quest, first-time cheek pieces, Jane Williams, David Noonan, a 3-1 to one shot. Night in Dubai uh, for the Skeletons is a 6-1 to one shot. And if we manage to land the Betdak multiple then it's going to be a night in Dubai for all of us. The three of us and the final Furlong podcast posse all heading to Dubai. So who are we putting in the multiple here for this race, Maddie Batchelor? I'm going to be boring because I do want to go to Dubai. That sounds <laughs> a right trip. <laughs> and I'm going, to go, I'm going to go with stolen silver. I just did solid form at Cheltenham. Unlucky when he unseated, really. I do do like the one at seven to two, the Donald McCain horse, Mackenberg. He was good fifth at Donny over two mile and back up to two and a half to, to, tomorrow, uh, Saturday, sorry. So definitely wants further and was behind Melistic that also runs at, at one at Donny as well after that. So it's, he did, the only thing that put me off of Mackenberg, he just, he just hung left a little bit. So everything's pointing to stolen silver for me. Sam Thomas, he, Good friend of mine. He's he's turned into being a really good trainer. He was a great jockey. He's a great lad. And after that, obviously had that terrible time in the helicopter. So yeah, I'd love to see Stolen Silver to win for Sam Thomas. Uh, actually, on a side note, the Grand National entries came out, and well, it's 
depressing reading for British racing. Even the British handicapper coming out yeah. and saying it's Jesus, it's it's awful. Um, but his horse, the the Welsh Grand National winner, um, who who won the big race at Warwick the other day, my understanding is he needs another race to qualify. Is that is that correct? Really? So. Sam said that on the day, and I remember Ed said it as well uh, on ITV, that in order for him to qualify for the Grand National, he would need to run once more. And I thought he had to run again before the 1st of February because Sam was saying uh, about going for the Grand National that I don't know if I want to run him again and therefore we might just have to skip Aintree this year. But for when you look at the, the top 20 in the betting for the Grand National, only five are British trained and one of them is that horse. So uh, I'm wondering, is it a case of put the word out there that, you know, hold all bets or be very, very careful? Or has something changed that he actually is qualified for it? Is, is the situation so dire that they're like, yeah, forget those rules. Just get him in there quick. Any British horse we can find that can run in that race, get him in. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? You've won a Welsh National and a classic Warwick Chase. And, and, yet, and yet they're going to you tell you, you, you can run. I will do it, might not qualify for the Grand National. He's absolutely crying out to run over the Grand National fences and yet you on a technicality you can't get a run it's just it, uh, it's mind-boggling isn't it yeah I'm going to check this again yes uh, although he's had five races over fences he would need one more run by February to qualify for entry that's insane and he'd that be eligible is... for the 100 grand bonus as well uh, I don't. I don't get that at all. At no, all, at all. especially when he's a, as you said, when he's a Welsh Grand National winner and uh, a Warwick trial, a Warwick uh, Classic Chase winner as well. Did, classic Chase winner, yeah. What is that yeah, nonsense about? But uh, <laughs> Sam's a good guy. I'm going to have to use you to get Sam on the show because he's he's a really good guy and he's he's having tremendous success and it's good to see. Um, Stolen Silver's best form is around Cheltenham, but I don't see any reason why he can't get the job done at Warwick, Mark. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm with Matty on this one as well. I think Stolen Silver, he was running okay when he unseated in the Paddy Power Gold Cup in yeah. November, wasn't he? Mm. And that was a really good run last time when he was second. They, they reverted back to more forcing tactics there, which I think suit him. I think I think when he's ridden prominently, I think he jumps that little bit better. I think he likes, he likes a bit of a sight at his fences. Stolen silver, and, and when he's up there racing prominently, that tends to be when he jumps at his most fluent. I think uh, he, he brings a, a little bit of a touch of class into this race. I, I know with interest that next week they they've also got him entered in the uh, the Ascot Chase, haven't they? The Grade One against Victorian Shishkin. That's right. Yeah, which is obviously he's, you would assume he's not going to run there, given he's running on Saturday. But I think that's just a measure of of how highly regarded this horse is within the Sam Thomas stable. And Sam Thomas, he's he's just made a tremendous start as a trainer, hasn't he? He's been superb. I think he's he's absolutely mustered as a trainer. And yeah, it, it's boring, but I think Stolen Silver is by far the most likely winner of this race. Yeah, Mark of 154, he's well clear of everything else. You'd be disappointed if he can't get the job done. Uh, all eyes on Cheltenham prospects next. Uh, first up, Love Envoy, who will be bidding to take on Honeysuckle, Epitant. Uh, by the way, news on Brandy Love. Not the porn star, the racehorse. Brandy, <laughs> at this stage, we're not even just, we're not even hiding it anymore, Maddie. Normally we go, make sure when you're doing, when you're doing the, the research on this horse, 
make sure you spell brandy with a Y and not an I. Uh, to which Barry Call from Betdak goes, I'm just going to Google this now and see, oh my God. So he's getting a call from, from HR, I'm sure, uh, and probably a few viruses on his device. Uh, but love, Brandy Love will be in action in the Quevega hurdle. Uh, she's going to run, I think it's next week she's in action. So she she's alive. She's prepping. She's alive. She's and, next week. And she's out next week. Uh, by the way, there's the still bookmakers pricing up Jericho Rock, um, who I'd just like to mention. Jericho Rock is out for the season. David Pipe confirmed that. Sporting Life wrote about it. And he's been taken out of the National on Chase. And yet there are bookmakers who still haven't priced up. Shame on you. For shame. And not with non-runner no bet as an option. So, um frustrating they're going to aim for the 2024 grand national and i keep the faith in that horse but love envoy all eyes on the cheltenham festival winner in her quest to win the mayor's hurdle this year after winning what is now the jack de bromhead memorial mayor's novice last season johnny burke on board for harry fry she's a long odds on favorite seven to four on theater glory is a good horse on her day for nikki henderson she racked up a nice sequence of wins before unseating in the jerry field and, and then came up short against great dawning but there's nothing wrong with that and that's a good horse um, and she will give Love Envoy something to think about here. Uh, 130 about Theatre Glory. Maddie, how do you see this going? Oh, a bit boring. I, I think Love Envoy, she she looks a really nice mare. Winning at Cheltenham's great for the Noel Feely and Dave Cross Syndicate. They've they've done very well since they've started up the Syndicate. They've bought some, bought some nice horses. Timorous at Sander as well. Looks like he's going to go to the Supreme Novice Hurdle and as you say, yeah, theatre, theatre's got a, a good chance here to glory, but I just think she looks, she looks a really nice mare, love envoy, and she just, she seems to have improved from Cheltenham up, winning her last two at Sandown and both at Sandown, and yeah, she just, she just looks the real deal, and I mean, I think she's been quite exciting when she goes over fences as well. Yeah, very much so. And when we had Noel Feely on the show last week, he was pretty bullish about this horse going forward, and, and rightly so. Um, a very good judge, Noel. Very oh, good judge. What a story, by the way. What an amazing yeah. story that, you know, such an incredibly talented jockey, like one of the best of his of his generation. Um, his last winning ride at, at the Cheltenham Festival was for Willie Mullins in the Mayor's Novice. Now he's got horses in training with him as an owner, running his syndicate. And not only have they got a grade one winner in tomorrow's bidding to go for the Supreme Novices Hurdle, they've already got a Cheltenham Festival winner in the last race that he won with Love Envoy and plenty more exciting prospects as well. That's Syndicate. Syndicates are, are terrific, but that's it's an amazing story, what what he's doing. Oh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And do you know what? It's They sort of they dovetail quite well together. You've got Crossy and Noel, and you've got Noel Feely, who is the most quietest fellow you ever meet, in the wearing room, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got Dave Cross. But it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Love Envoy being such a short price, look, I, I think she will win this, Mark, but uh, I'm going to take her on, and and the logic I'm going to use Ooh. is the ground. Yeah, see, Maddie's going, oh, hang on, what's, what's this guy doing? Uh, she's one on heavy, she's <laughs> one on soft. Um she was beaten on yielding by Brandy Love, although I think Brandy Love is probably a, a machine, the racehorse that is. Uh, but Theatre Glory has got good form on, on good ground, and um, the ground might level things out a little bit here. She's getting two pounds from her as well. I'll side with Theatre Glory, but it's it's a tentative pick. Um, what's your thoughts on it, Mark? Yeah, I'm, I'll be sticking with Love Envoy. 
she's she's a mare who's taken a little while to to win me over. Actually, you'll know from that Sandown win on a, a comeback in December. I actually took her on, didn't I, with uh, with Home Public? Oh yes. that day. Um, and I hadn't been absolutely convinced by her, but she won there. And her last win at Sandown, she was she was super impressive there, wasn't she? Now has that. The, the ground had a, an influence on that. Look, I don't think we'll be talking rattling fast ground at Warwick, will we? It'd be nothing like Newbury. No. They'll put plenty of water on. I think she's a, a classy, classy mare. She seems to be getting even better at, at the age of seven. I think Molly Ollie's wish, she's, she's really likeable, isn't she? But she's a couple of years older than, than Love Envoy. Now, she'll run a race, I would imagine. But I, I I didn't really have any strong conviction to take Love Envoy on in here. I think she's the most likely winner. Yeah, um, Sky Ace is very likable, but she probably wants softer ground uh, and has just been, for, for all that she was a really good novice hurdler, she just seems to have gone a bit backwards. She comes in fresh off the track for 99 days and it's the Shark, so who knows? Anything could happen when Shark Hanlon's involved. He's been having ter- tremendous success at things. Uh, and won a big award uh, for his his training of Hewick the other day over in America, which is great to see. Um, and nice to see her back in action. I, I will take the chance on Theatre Glory on the ground, but Mark is right. It's not going to be good to firm. Um, and Love Envoy really should be winning this, but at the at the prices outside with, with Theatre Glory, but both of you are right. She will take all the beating. Uh, El Fabiola has laid down the gauntlet for the Arkle with his win in the Irish version under Daryl Jacobs. So now it's over to you, Aidan Coleman, Nicky Henderson, and John Bond. Uh, 100 to 30 on for the Kingmaker Novices Chase. 3 to 10. You can get 11 to 8 about the Arkle for this horse with Betak as we're recording. And that will probably be long gone if he does what we expect him to do. Um, please don't take him out, Nikki. Please don't take him out. The official going on the chase course is good to soft. And Matty, it's going to be disappointing if he doesn't win. He looks a real machine over fences. Oh, listen, Emmett. This, this wins... He wins at Cheltenham. I've not seen anything that can lace his hoofs, I'm afraid, at Cheltenham. I know El Fabiolo won at the weekend, but I just think he was a little bit novice. He wasn't as fluent as John Bond over fence. I think, John, I think honestly, John Bond will jump him to sleep at Cheltenham. He wins the Arkle. He wins this tomorrow in a canter. He's run around Warwick before. They're, they're quite tough fences around Warwick, especially the ones down the side there. They come up thick and fast. But listen, he's been there. He's been there, done it. For me, the bet in this race is it's probably the forecast, I think, because I think Gary Moore's had extra oboe. will finish second. Tom Cannon takes the rights. Jamie had a nasty fall at Fontwell this week, but he's got up. He, he had head scans, and he, he just needs a couple of days off to just to recuperate, but Tom Cannon takes the ride on that. But listen, he can't, he can't beat Sean Bond. I mean, it's, he's just, he's just not good enough. I mean, Haddock's is, he's won at Warwick. He's third time lucky was third. He's come out and won. He, he won at Donny when he was over racing. So he, he clearly, he clearly has got an engine, but I don't think it's as good as John Bond's. That, that is, this is a proper engine. And let's not forget he finished second to, Constitution Hill in the Supremes and after the Supremes we were walking down I think it was going to watch the Arco and I was walking down with Aidan Coleman who rode John Bonn obviously in the Supremes and I said Fleming now Aid I said 
that's some machine that Constitution Hill. He said, Batch. He said, I promise you now. He said, I've jumped the second last. He said, and I've turned in. He went, This is an absolute aeroplane. It's going to take some horse to come past me and beat me in this race. He said, And then that thing has just come past me. Whoa. He said, Un- Unbelievable. Yeah. So listen, they're both very, very good horses. And John Bond, yeah. I mean, he's. I mean, he didn't even get close to constitutional, but what he's done over fences is just, it's just phenomenal. Just on a side note, that reminds me of the very early days of the final furlong and having uh, the legend Robbie McNamara on the show. We were talking about on the so after he'd fallen on Chase debut, and then he, it was Fairy House he turned up in and bolted up, and um, Robbie was saying he was on board a horse that day and he was going pretty well, and he looks looked down, looked up. And Undeso has gone 15 lengths clear, jumps the fence, looks down, settling himself, looks up, and he's like 50 lengths clear. And he, he said he never yeah. rode in a race where a horse was able to sustain a gallop in the way that he did and continue to quicken. It was just absolutely insane. And the way that he was talking about riding against Undeso reminds me of just how Aidan Coleman described being on board John Bon and Constitution Hill coming by. Is there, is there anything in your mind that can stop Constitution Hill in the champion hurdle, with the exception of Christoph Sumion getting a jumps license and elbowing Nico out of the place. <laughs> but you know, that is the, desperate that is times. The only chance, <laughs> desperate times, but is he just a complete freak of nature who's going to destroy them all in the champion hurdle? I, I honestly, I do honestly think he is. And I mean, I, I listened, watching Honeysuckle at the weekend, absolutely love it to bits. It's brilliant. And everyone's, Everyone's going, oh, she should run in the... I had someone say the other day that she should run in the champion hurdle. She shouldn't run. She shouldn't be allowed to run in the mares. And you're like, Oof. whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. Listen, listen, this is... this Her running at Cheltenham, and and it's the owner's choice, let's remember that. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to the mares, and probably he's got a really good chance of winning that. You go to the champion hurdle, you're going to... At best or worst, you probably finish third. So... If you go to Cheltenham, she wins at Cheltenham, she wins the Mares. This is going to be bigger than the Beatles playing on the rooftop when they had their last hurrah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the crowd at the Dublin Racing Festival, when she walked around the parade ring for the first time, the spontaneous applause when she goes through the chute heading down to the track, uh, and then straight after the race, Paul was, was struggling to pull up Statement. Um, not at nowhere near as severely as he was struggling to pull up Gallop and Deschamps, which bodes very well for the Gold Cup. But when yeah. she was coming back, when Rachel was coming back in, the crowd just went nuts. It was it was reminding me of Hurricane Fly winning the Irish Champion Hurdle for the fifth time, and the sea of people just running from the stands to be there in the parade ring uh, to get to see him and welcome him in. And although she was beaten, it was a similar atmosphere. It's it's incredible. I think they're. We talked about it during the week. I think they're absolutely right not to go for the champion hurdle. She she has no oh, absolutely she has no chance against. God. If you can't beat Statement, then you cannot beat Constitution Hill. And she's nah, officially no twelve pounds clear of everything in the mayor's hurdle. She's a solid yeah. moral for that race. And uh, as owners, they're in. Their, they're in this. They pay their bills to win races. Yeah. So you, you want to go to the race at Cheltenham which you have got a very strong hand in winning. So, I mean, listen, she's won a champion hurdle. She's been there. She's done it. She's worn the T-shirt. Go back there and win a race you can. I'm all for the Mez. 
It's not like, I said this the other day, it's not like they've turned around and said, yeah, well, we don't think we can win the champion hurdle, so we're going to go for the Coral Cup or the county hurdle. She's not carrying yeah. top weight in a big handicap. She's going to go for a grade one, which she won three years ago. So if you want to yeah. be if you want to be critical of her connections, ask them why did they run in the mayor's hurdle three years ago when they'd won the champion hurdle? Because as much as I love Epitant and was all over her that year, twenty to one, Matty, oy, 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 always good to really? do a bit of always <laughs> good to do a bit of after time, which I put up on the show. Myself and Jess Stafford put her up on the show. Um, Honeysuckle would have beaten her. So thankfully she didn't. But it, the, if they hadn't run in the mayor's hurdle three years ago, it would be very, very difficult to now turn around and say, yeah, we're going to go mayors. But the fact that they did, the fact that she has at least been in that race before and won it, I, I get yeah. it. I completely get the logic in it. Um, if she was mine, I'd actually skip Cheltenham and go to Aintree because that Aintree hurdle is going to be quite weak, I, I suspect. But anyway, that's that's another conversation for another day. Um John Bon wins. Hado de Sobo is a very interesting one. Just br- briefly before we we go to Mark, uh, race tactics. Look, he's he's clearly miles better than everything in this race. He's fifteen pounds clear of Hado de Sobo, but he's made the running on his two chase starts, and that's how Gary Moore's horse runs. Surprise, surprise. Uh, is that going to be a problem for Aiden Coleman on Saturday? No, not at all. You just as the jockey, if listen, he's on the best horse in the race. You keep it simple. Gary Moore's horse can be a bit keen. Listen, John Bond looks like you can do what you like on him. If if Tom Cannon wants to go out in front and, and set his own fractions, Hayden would be quite happy to sit behind him, albeit not directly behind him. He'd probably go to one side or the other so he can see his fences, nothing silly. And no, it, it's if he wants to go on, he let him go on and he'll finish second. I don't think... I don't think Ryan Mania or Harry Skelton are, they're going to be sitting third and fourth. These two will be, listen, it'll be, it'll be Indian file. Gary Moores will probably make it. John Bond, the other two will be sort of going around, chasing up, picking up the pieces and it'll be fairly straightforward for Aiden. Mark Edwardstone won this race last year before going on to Arkle victory. John Bond bids to do the same thing. It's fascinating to hear Matty be so bullish that he thinks he's going to win the Arkle. I honestly can't call it right now. El Fabiolo was so good at the weekend and, and Daryl was telling me about the mistake that he made four out. He said that's completely his fault. He just got excited on him and asked him for too much of a leap at, at, at that time. And what about the other four mistakes? What? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Ladies and gentlemen, Matty Bachelor and Daryl Jacob is down! And he's down! <laughs> knocked him out! Oh, I wasn't it's clever delicious. enough to come up with that question. Well done, son. Thinking down there for dancing, Matty. Uh, but look, an impressive win from from John Bond will probably make him sub even money for all that El Fabiolo is is a very very exciting racehorse. Um, finishing touches to be put on for the weekend. It's really all about uh, the Arkle. Uh, he should just win this, really, shouldn't he? Yeah, he'll he'll win this. I would imagine probably with a minimum of fuss. Anyone who who likes their multiples and likes to put something in at a shot. Um, shortish price just to get the uh, the return a little bit bigger we'll probably be putting John Bonin in I think Haddix Dezobo he was impressive last time but the horse he beat has only got a rating of 122 this is a, a huge step up for him Look, J- John Bon, he's not really a bet but he, he should win this and uh, while not quite as, as bullish as Matty for the Arkle I think he'll take plenty of beating there as well Oi, oi. 
Cheltenham specials coming your way. Paul Ferguson, Mark Milligan, Dennis O'Regan, all giving you expert insight. Maddie, we're going to be roping you in for that as well. Spoiler alert, we already know who Maddie's going to be going for in the Arkle, uh, unless something untoward happens on Saturday. Uh, but it really should be smooth sailing for John Bond. Hopefully it is, because that clash with El Fabiolo is going to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, I do ask Daryl Jacob about how he thinks Dicer Dynamo will fare in the Arkle, and can he actually sustain that gallop uh, and and be a grade one winner because he's failed in three attempts so far. Find out his answer tomorrow morning on the Final Forum podcast. Uh, Sunday, we're going to have some good racing. There's a listed hurdle. Itak Blue is a horse to keep an eye on. Uh, we had Dan Skelton on the show not so long ago, and Harry was on with us during the week as well. I asked both of them about him. They like him a lot. The plan is to, to race him in listed and graded races for the season. If he wins, tremendous. If he doesn't, he's a novice for next season. But he's one they, they like quite a bit. Um, in Ireland, we're going to have some some very informative racing. Uh, American Mike was taken out of the Dublin Racing Festival because of uh, of a death in, in the family um, that was connected to, to the Morans. Uh, so they took out Better Days Ahead and American Mike and, and sympathies to them. But he will have his preparation here. He'll need to get his act together over hurdles. He was pretty brutal at Navan. Um, but that's an interesting race. And imagine will qualify for handicaps after running here. Not sure he'll win, but keep an eye on him for the Martin Pipe. I think that's the direction they're going to go in. And Rob James will take off that stealing that seven pounds. Uh, and also there's a horse that uh, will run in this race that Daryl highlights. Uh, he gives a, a 14 to one shot for Cheltenham. Again, you're going to have to listen to it tomorrow to find out who, uh, but a horse that he is specifically coming over to Ireland to ride in a piece of work next week and is available at 14s right now with Betzak for Cheltenham. You'll find out who that horse is tomorrow uh, when the Final Furlong Podcast special comes out. But he also highlights Largy Shark as a horse that he really likes, and that horse could run at the weekend, and he could very well be on board. Uh, so keep an eye on on him. Um, the Boyne Hurdle, we talked not so long ago about uh, St. Sam, and could he end up being a Stairs Hurdle champion, or Stairs Hurdle contender? He's 20s for the race. Uh, he's not bred to stay three miles, but he's in over two mile four, and it's Willie Mullins. If he ran the stable cat, the horse would win. So keep a very close eye on that. Is there anything on Sunday, Maddie, that you're particularly keen to bring to the attention of Final Furlong Podcast listeners? I do. In fact, was it? Let me. The. What was the race? The race you were just talking about at Exeter, the 3.30, Attack Blue race. Yeah. I do. Do you know what? I do like the. Evan Williams trains horse, the Astro Boy, Ooh. who wins at Foss last and a very good second to Tamarissa in the, the Tolworth. I mean, Attack Blue won a, I think won a point to point and then second to Jet Power at Newbury. But that, do you know what? That form has absolutely flopped. I think Jet Power just absolutely flopped next time out, finished fifth when the surprise horse of Gary Moore won. No. Houlihan rode the winner. The psycho. Jupiter De Gilles. Yes. Jupiter De and But Jet Pellwood, do you know when it won the first time? I don't think, no disrespect to the others, but I don't think it beat an awful lot. And I just think, Astro Boy, that good form in the Tolworth, that's that's good. And then the Paul Nichols horse, Lally Gag, won at Taunton and second to Grey Dawning at one, the Grey Two Leamington Spa at Warwick. So that's all good form, and I just think, I just think Astro Boy, then Williams is just, he, he just, yeah, it looks he's, his form just sticks out to me. I like that. Yeah, the concern about that form with the the Attack Blue race is not only Jet Power bombing terribly, 
Um, yeah. Clearly, that couldn't have been his true running at, at Newbury that day. But half dozen Tapley and No No Tango have come out since, and they've all been beaten. And they've they've all run a couple of times, and they've been yeah. beaten. So that would be a, a bit of an alarming um, situation. Uh, keep an eye so on, on Lastro Boy. Uh, how did I make I make it? I made a shocking omission here. And I'm not talking about Delta Work, who's going to go down the Tiger Roll route of prepping in the Boyne Hurdle before going on for the cross country, for which he's a solid moral, unless Galvin goes down that route. But Blazing Cal is back. Finally, Blazing Cal could very well return. 428 days off the track, second favourite for the stairs, uh, and he might very well be back. And the runners to form percentage for Charles Burns right now is 100%. So don't ignore him on Sunday if he's back out. Um, but you'd need to see a nice performance for him to justify the price he is currently for the stairs. Mark, anything else over That's the weekend? a long time in it to have it's off, though, surely. Long time. I've, I was talking to... Long, long time. I was talking to somebody who would know who was telling me that he hasn't... I don't know how much fast work he's been doing, but they've been doing a lot of work with him on the beach. They've been taking him down to the, yeah. to the sea, and that can be very, very effective. Um, whatever it is about the, the surface of the sand, uh, that can really help to get a horse hard fit. So I'm, I'm sure he's going to be ready, but it's a long, long time off the track. Um, but listen, it's Charles yeah. Burns. I like Burns. Side the Burley in that. Are you concerned about his like run the, the last day? That's that's the only thing that would put you off a little bit. But these other runs are like behind like Tihapu, home by the home by the Lee, and Classical Dream. That's good solid form. I mean, I think it'll be a, a battle of the old boys. You've got you've got Saint Sam, who's been highly tried over fences, but back over hurdles. Won a hurdle at Punchestown, and of course Somerville Boy, back in the day, won the Supremes yeah. in 2018. He's been second to Tihapu at Goran as well. So. That's all. All the old boys there. They've got, they've got they've got good form there, but I just I'm just going to give side to Burley and have a chance. And I would forget the pulled up. I just think Gordon Elliott. Listen, he wouldn't be running if he. They're they're just it's pulled up. That's one of those things. It's like we was talking about earlier. They horses don't know statistics. He just could have got out the stable that morning and didn't fancy it. Do you know what? The form's there. All his previous form. It's good, solid form. You, everyone's everyone's allowed an off day, Emmett. Well, that certainly applies to me. Uh, four starts back, <laughs> he was he was chasing home Classical Dream at Punchestown, and prior to that, five starts back, he was beating Flooring Porter at Aintree. So it's not like he's forgotten well, to be a racehorse. Yeah. Something's just not been right with him, and he's had 46 days to, to get sorted out. They had brought... You and I were talking about him a few weeks ago, Mark. They, would, they were bringing him over mm. to England for a Potemps qualifier, because his record in... Handicaps is deadly. So we were both interested in him for that, but they ended up pulling him out. Um, but the fact that they were bringing him over to England and then took him out on the day means maybe he is back and that he could be spot on there with him. Uh, anything else on Sunday that's interesting you, my man? No, I think there's, there's a couple of good races, aren't there? We've just talked about that Boyne hurdle. I'm, I'm really interested to see St. Sam stepping up to two mile five furlongs for the first time. He's only six-year-old as well, isn't he? So he potentially, if he gets the two-mile five and wins that, he's potentially a really interesting horse for the stayers, isn't he? Um, American Mike, I'm with you. I think he needs to jump better than he jumped last time, didn't he? If we yeah, see him better. in that listed novices hurdle, I thought, in that particular race. Uh, but we're kind of flying a bit in the dark here, aren't we? Because we haven't got the, uh, the final decks. But I thought Hunter's yarn of Willie Mullins was quite interesting in there. So those, for me, 
at Navan. Those are the, the two races of most interest on Sunday. Yeah, they're, they are very much uh, of interest. Um, Lucia ended up being taken out, which is a real shame. I'm starting to get very worried about that horse. Um, it, oh, she's still in, actually. Sorry, just keep on scrolling down. Well, maybe Lucia will come out so and, and run, because Nikki was saying the other she's day... She's had a couple of entries, hasn't she, over the past few months, and she's been pulled out. We've, ta- we've, we've talked about her a few times previously, haven't we? And she ends, she, She's in the five-day decks and then just ends up not running for whatever reason. He... Nikki gave a Nikki-like reason the other day for this, uh, but then he he also said, oh, well, we, might, "We might just go straight to Cheltenham." I don't like that at all. <laughs> I don't like that at all. As much as I as I really like this one, I think she'd win the mare's hurdle if she came out and and won at the weekend. She would be the one to beat in the mare's novice hurdle. But you can't go to Cheltenham on the back of just one run back in November and think that you're going to win a championship novice race for all that it's restricted to mares. Um, so hopefully she does come out and, and run at the weekend. Uh, there's a, a couple of of um, Harry Skelton uh, horses to be talking about as well. Uh, we did a, a podcast special with him on Monday. Lack de Constance and Galia de Lito uh, will both be in action at Exeter as well. The two o'clock and the three o'clock. Lack de Constance broke my heart at Christmas time. Uh, I think if he stood up, he would have won. And Galia de Lito was very, very good the last day. Um, just proved that. She can't go right-handed. She's she's raced four times right-handed, and has failed all four times. But back left-handed the last time out, she was really good, um, and and she would be very very interesting at the weekend. But lack the constants would would be very very uh, much a horse to be keeping on side. And I think there was going to be more big races to be won with him going forward. All right, bet back multiple time. In other words, best bets for the weekend. So how are you going to combine your best bets? What is the nap? And the next best, and potentially even a treble, an accumulator, Maddie Bachelor. This is your your first time doing this. Betdak are giving you fifty pounds sterling for the Betdak multiple, and any winnings that you make go straight to the injured jockeys fund, which will help to pay for your hip replacement surgery in a couple of weeks. So, yes. no no pressure, sir. Who's in the multiple? So I'm going stolen silver, John Bond. Because I've got to, because of the way I've hyped him up. I'm right. And then I'm going to go for a big shout, the Willie Mullins horse, Ica Allen. Let's go! Come on. Go hard or go home. That is swinging for the fences there. Absolutely. Coming in with... Stolen Silver is a nice one because we're getting six to four. John Bond just increases the value at, at threes on. And then you come in with a nine-to-one shot. Let's go, Matty. Yeah. Um, come on. All right. I'm, I'm definitely with you with uh, Iker Allen. Um, Mark Milligan, what is your bet deck multiple going to be? Yeah, I'm going uh, to... To give us a chance of maximizing the amount we want to win for the Injured Jockeys Fund, I'm going to select different races. So then we've both got a chance of winning. We don't want to be up against each well, other. No, you can go up um, against them because if, if it... God forbid if it goes wrong, Maddie, then maybe you get it right. So, whatever suits yeah. you. <laughs> no, I'll stick. I'll I shall stick to my principles. <laughs> um, I'll go Eldorado Allen, Greenatine, Love Envoy, and I'm going to throw John Bon in as well to make up the uh, the profit a little bit more because. It's, it's very difficult seeing John Mon get beat, so I'm going to go for the four-time. Mine. Go for it. And, and Aaron McCarthy, brace yourself for this one. Mine will be 
Eldorado Lynn, John Bon, Icara Lynn, and Theatre Glory. Ooh. We'll see unlucky you in Emma. Dubai if that one comes unlucky, up. Unlucky, unlucky, me and Mark will get us to Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when Love Envoy just breezes to victory, I'll just be like, why did I do that? Why did I push it to... Uh, greed. Greed just took over. That... Or I will, this is a terrible trait to have, Emmy. That or I will just wave to you from the private jet as I'm flying over your house, Matty. <laughs> One or the other. Um, Matty, really enjoyed having you on the show today. Uh, looking forward to having really you on enjoyed it. In, in the future as well. And, and indeed, teaming up together on, on Talk Sport. Uh, and watch out for Matty this weekend. Uh, Race Day TV, uh, part of Racing TV, uh, part of the coverage for the weekend. Uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. Uh, great character, great insight. A lot of fun with you, Matty. Looking forward to having you on again soon. Thank you very much, and sending my condolences to Mark and all the family. And well said, uh, well said, Mark. Uh, we're all thinking of you. Uh, you did brilliantly. You sound great. I don't know how you have the mental strength to do it, but you do. And um, there's some great insight from you there. We're delighted to have you back on the show, but we're thinking of you as well. And mind yourself, my man. Uh, that's all very kind. Thank you. Now we can't go without. Now I've got a big birthday coming up. You know, next month. Is it as big I'm as Tony be Bennett's? The, yeah, exactly. I'm going to be the big 5-0, the same as Tony Bennett. And he's wanting just to wish him a happy birthday. So I can sympathize with him because I'm heading that way myself. So let's wish Tony, who's a Final Furlong podcast listener, a very, very happy 50th birthday. Yeah, long-time listener to the show as well. Uh, happy birthday, Tony. Maddie, dare I ask you, because the profile is there, but where are you in the in, in terms of... Mark about to hit the 50, um, and I'm exactly 40. I turned 41 in May. So over, under, are you in the middle? Are you are you, are you 27 <laughs> oh, and I don't know it? I, I'm, I'm all in on the unders here. Really? <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Mentally, I am 35. But unfortunately, I am the wrong side. Of the 40s, I am 46. No, you're not 46. Like you're what? Uh, well, I'm glad you said that because I thought we were not. <laughs> I genuinely was thinking 41. No, no, 46. Man. And it's, you know, I could do a Matt Chapman joke here. It's like, well, it's not like you've got the oil of Julian or something like that. But uh, no, you're, you're looking good. Clarence. You're, Clarence. You're looking good <laughs> for a 46 year old, mate. And remember, Four, 50 is the new 40, 50 is the new 30, whatever. Yeah, just in, yeah, I'll take that. insert compliment. <laughs> <it. suits. laughs> uh, at least I haven't, I, I'm not having a new hip put in yet, but then I haven't spent a lifetime riding jumps horses. Uh, most of yeah. my lifetime is just sat in a chair. Yeah, we, we well, listen, <laughs> you and I, Mark, we do the hard work. We do the heavy lifting, yeah. talking into a microphone, exactly, yeah. spouting nonsense, <laughs> getting paid to do it. Unlike Matty, who just lived the easy life, you know, getting up at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, working, doing pieces of work, getting thrown into ditches, getting thrown into the ground by uh, rambunctious racehorses. Easy life for Matty. Easy life, yeah, absolutely. I've had it. I don't know, yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know myself, Phil. He's your value. <laughs> How much... Of a... they, they just don't have the mentality of, of us lads <laughs> in the media. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you, I... You're right there, Mark. You lot have got brains. And that will do it. Thank you so much for listening. Really hope you've enjoyed it. We've got the special with Daryl Jacob, Brendan Powell and Harry Cobden coming out tomorrow morning. It will be released at 7.30am by Spotify on all podcast apps, Apple Podcasts as well. Um, like and share it but I really think you're going to enjoy that podcast hopefully we are bringing the gravy in this edition of the show for you as well winners galore hopefully uh, from Maddie Bachelor, Mark Milligan and from me Emma Kennedy thank you for listening be safe be well we'll talk to you soon God bless the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com new customers only terms and conditions apply and by All About Sunday the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today